1: No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
0: Wisp Sports Radio. The voice of women in sport. Hi, this is episode 18 of the Fab Podcast on Wisp Sports Radio, brought to you by Highlands Earache Drops. Have you been diagnosed with an earache by a physician? For natural relief due to earache pain, Fever, irritability, and sleeplessness, try Highlands Homeopathic Earache Drops and Tablets. Highlands has been trusted for generations to provide safe, effective homeopathic medicines for all members of the family. There's no alcohol and no sting. You can get back to doing what you love. Go to Highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain to find a retailer near you. That's Highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Claims are based on traditional homeopathic practice, not accepted medical evidence, not FDA evaluated. Read and follow label directions. The Fab Podcast is the weekly show brought to you by Females in Athletic Business for women in the sports business, where we believe that women in sport deserve equal coverage. Welcome to this week's episode. My name is Kristen Ray, and I'm the founder of Females in Athletic Business and one of your hosts of the FAB Podcast. Today, we are continuing our series on salary negotiation for women in the sports industry. Last time we spoke with Kathy Grayson of the PGA of America, we talked about the importance of negotiating your very first salary. And Kathy is back today with us to chat about negotiating a raise or a promotion within your current job, which is something that a lot of women may need to do at some point in their careers, especially in the sports industry when, Kathy, not all the time um, women are often offered these raises and promotions, and sometimes we have to fight for them more. So, Kathy, welcome back to talk about that today.
2: Thank you, Kristen. I'm excited to be back and um, talking about uh, negotiating your salary once you are in a position
0: Yes, which can be very tricky and touchy. So, um, before we get started on that, if our listeners didn't catch um, your first episode with us, just give us a quick uh, review of kind of a summary of your time in the sports industry for us.
2: Well, I have actually spent the last 30 years of my career in the sports industry, uh, mainly in the golf industry. I currently work for PG of America, as you mentioned, and I am a career consultant. And I help our PGA professionals advance their careers. And I also work with our PGA employers to help place professionals um, when they're in need of of new hires. Um, Again, I was a director of retail for several years. I worked for Callaway golf company and I ran their tournament division for about 10 years. I was also a regional sales manager for Antigua apparel. And at one time I worked for the U.S. Olympics and I uh, conducted the, uh, we used to have a festival uh, prior to the trials and I was the director of um, volunteers for uh, the the pre-trials, I guess I'll call it. So I've spent my entire career in sports and I absolutely love it.
0: Well, so listeners, as you can hear, um, Kathy has been on a lot of different sides of this industry. And what I like about talking to her now is that she works both to provide help for the employer and the employee at this point in her career, which I think makes her very uh, well equipped to have these kind of conversations. So as I mentioned, we've covered how important it is for women breaking into the industry to negotiate their first salary. So today I want to cover a different kind of negotiation. I think a lot of women will be able to identify with being in a place in their career or at their current jobs where they think they've possibly earned a raise based on their work ethic or based on their results or even just a promotion. And they just haven't seen it yet. They haven't seen it come. So can we start talking about some of the indicators, Kathy of when it might be the right time to approach leadership about a raise or promotion that we think is due time. So help us understand when might be um, some indicators at your workplace or in your performance, where now's the time to start this ball rolling.
2: Right. You really need to be strategic in determining when the right time is to ask for a raise. So we definitely want to make sure that you've been in the position for about a year. You don't want to, um, you know, ask for a raise before you've obviously proven your worth. Um, Some excellent times to consider uh, approaching, asking for a raise is anytime there's a change in leadership. So if you have a new manager coming in, or there's a change in leadership uh, within the company as far as the CEO or the COO, That's an excellent opportunity for you to approach uh, a raise because what's happening is usually there's a shift in that organizational management team. And it's an excellent opportunity for you to position yourself for a raise. Um, Another indicator is maybe exit of key employees. Anytime someone leaves the organization and takes a new position, again, that creates a domino effect and gives you an opportunity to go in and posture yourself. For either a new position and a raise, or a current raise in your in your position.
0: And Kathy, would you would you also say that when those changes happen, that a lot of times we end up picking up slack that's outside of our job description, and so spending some time doing more, you know, taking on more responsibility than we were originally assigned would be a another good reason why when there's those change in um, leadership or change in staff that it would be a good time to bring that up?
2: Absolutely. That was actually my next point. So anytime there's a change in your job description or you're asked to take on additional responsibility, you want to make sure that you don't take on that responsibility and then ask for the raise because normally your manager, once the project is complete, is on to the next one. So it's really important that you approach that before you start any new projects or take that responsibility on and just explain to them that you feel that this warrants um, some type of compensation uh, for the fact that you are taking on additional responsibility. So another another excellent point would be when you consistently overperform and you are receiving accolades and you should certainly be documenting those and keeping any emails or uh, letters of recommendation that maybe clients write for you. And uh, you definitely want to know what your market value is. So there are uh, endless resources to find out what your competitors are paying uh, for a position similar to yours. Uh, you can look on pay scale. You can call recruiters. You can actually call um, competitors and uh, find out from their HR department you know, a uh, range for your, your position, but you really need to know what your uh, market value is. And again, if there's a shift in corporate priorities, you know, if, if there's a directional change, you know, that's an excellent opportunity for um, discussing a raise.
0: Okay. So I really like something that you mentioned. You said that we should be consistently keeping track of the times that reflect our really Wonderful performance, whether it was a letter from a client or um, whatever it might be to, for your specific job. And I like that idea because you don't want to get to the point where, oh crap, you know, I really think I deserve a raise. I really think it's time for a promotion. And you don't want to be scrambling, um, searching through emails and ser- searching through papers to have the right thing to show, you know, your leadership. So making, maybe just creating like a file in your email. Um, where you can just drag certain things in every so often that you think will be helpful or even an actual file in, in paper, even if you keep it at home. Something to just make sure that when the time comes that you're prepared. And having said that, Kathy, before we just go running into our boss's offices at one of these wonderful moments in time that you just mentioned, what other preparation other than having kind of these um, – maybe proof of our wonderful performance via email or via letter, what else should we have done in advance to make sure we're ready to have these conversations with our leadership?
2: You know, you really need to do a lot of self-reflection and research. Research is probably the number one thing uh, that I uh, ask my professionals to do before they go in and ask for a raise or before they go in and try to apply for a new position um, one of the things that we do in our organization is we ask our professionals to keep a journal of SOAR stories. And SOAR actually is an acronym that stands for situation, obstacles that you overcome, actions that you take to overcome those obstacles, and then uh, results, measurable results, uh, quantitative uh, results that you can document. And anytime you go interview or negotiate, these are stories that you can bring into the negotiation to show your value to your employee or employer. I'm sorry. Uh, so keeping a journal is extremely important. I do like what you just said about dragging things into a file, uh, maybe in your outlook, which is exactly what I do. Anytime I receive an email of um, thank thanks, I drag that into a um, an articles uh, file for future use. So you definitely want to have those store stories that show the employer your value. The one thing you don't want to do is go in and say, I deserve a raise. Um, deserve is is probably not a good word to use. It's, it's more, this is the value that I've brought to the company. Can we please evaluate this and put a number to it as far as compensation? That's a better way to approach it.
0: All right. So making sure... I, I like the idea of the source story. Could you, as a little side note, could we use your SOAR acronym as a way to prepare for a first interview or a second interview too, not just these um, kind of uh, raise or promotion meetings? Because I like that acronym to help us, you know, in that awkward question of tell us a time when you ran into uh, a frustration at work and you had to overcome it and what did you do? Like, could could we use that for those as well?
2: Absolutely. Um, we tell our professionals that these are the number one stories and experiences that they need to convey to the employer to show the value that they can bring um, if they're hired into that position. So sore stories are excellent for any one of those situations, interviews, negotiations for your first job, negotiations, you know, for a raise in your, in your current position. So sore stories are, are excellent and You know, we don't own that acronym, so I highly encourage everyone, you know, to keep that in the back of their mind and to keep a journal. You know, one of the things uh, a few years ago when I lost my job, I was not prepared and my career consultant had asked me for these source stories. And because I'd never heard of that before, I really didn't keep a journal or any files of my accomplishments throughout my career. So it's really important to start that at an early age. Um, I mean, you can start it at any time. It's very
0: important. But the the earlier you start, the more stories you have to share with your employers to show your value. And it wouldn't even be a bad idea. And you said keep a journal, but not just in your mind, like an actual journal at home somewhere so that... When it does come time to have these conversations or if you do lose your job or if you ha- find yourself in an unexpected time where you have to have an interview, that way you can call upon them and not have to wait till the awkward moment of being asked that question to recall those stories. Because a lot of times that's what you see happen in interviews is people are like, oh, good question. And there's nothing wrong with having, you know, a moment in an interview to think about something before you speak, but imagine the comfort and how much more polished we all will be if we have those stories at are ready in our minds, right?
2: Absolutely. I always encourage uh, my em- employees to look at a list of, you know, the top 25 interview questions and actually write out your answers and attach a source story to each of those so that you're prepared when you go in an interview or you're prepared when you go into a negotiation. So you have those ready, you have them available, they're applicable to what the question is, and you're just, you have more confidence in yourself um, when you're in that situation.
0: Okay, I already feel like the next time I have to do this, I'm going to be so much more prepared. Um, before we take a break, um, or before we go any further, I want to take a break here for a mini segment with Dr. Peggy Kuyper. She's going to review this week's empowering book, which is Play Big by Dr. Jen Welter. Take it away, Dr. Kuyper.
1: Okay, well, welcome. My name is Dr. Peggy Kuyper. I'm an assistant professor of business administration at the University of Alaska Fairbanks. I work within the School of Management and I teach uh, MBA courses and a variety of uh, general business courses as well as sport and recreation management. Um, and I spent about almost ten years working in the sports industry in various capacities, working in sports tourism, the NBA's minor league, and coaching uh, in college basketball. So uh, the the book that I chose is week is by Dr. Jennifer Welter. Um, and it's titled Play Big Lessons in Being Limitless from the First Woman to Coach in the NFL. And so some of you may know her story, and maybe some of you don't. But uh, Jen Welter, Dr. Welter was the first person uh, the first woman to coach in the NFL. She made it uh, was invited to the NFL. Um, Arizona Cardinals training camp and was an internship essentially uh, in the preseason or an intern coach, sorry, uh, in the preseason for the Arizona Cardinals. And um, she has a really impressive football background and and an extremely, extremely contagious passion for the game of football. The book itself, um, I picked out six key points that I thought were important that maybe some of our listeners uh, would be interested in. the general consensus of the book, or what I kind of came to, was that the the book was an easy read. Uh, it was a quick read, and overall, it was a good book with a lot of a uh, lot of good key points. Um, it didn't flow extremely great, but at the same time, that was completely made up by the advice that Dr. Uh, Dr. Welter gives. So. The first key point that I picked out is that she said, be 100% authentic um, because people will sense if you're not. And I fully agree with this. And the example that she gave in the book was um, when she was getting ready to uh, make her debut as on the uh, NFL sidelines, she had written notes to her players and she was nervous about asking the head coach about putting these notes in the players lockers. And in this, uh, in this moment, she had kind of an inner dialogue with herself of why are you nervous, this is who you are, be yourself, or they'll realize that's not you. And I felt like that was a really good point to make, because that is something that we need to think about as, um, as women in the sports industry, and especially young women in the sports industry. The second point that I'd like to bring up is that um, she says being tough gets easy after a while, but you still have to be vulnerable and still have to be versatile in your roles, meaning you can be tough and you have to be tough because often, um, as we know, we're often entering into a maybe a, a male or more often than not, entering into a male dominated organization in the sports industry and um, toughness goes a long way, but you still have to bring uh, authenticity and uh, vulnerability and uh, versati- versatility sorry, um, to the table as well. The third point, and this is probably my favorite point in the book that she makes, is she said, be willing to be rejected. Because if you... Are willing to be rejected, um, you are then not afraid to ask. And what she gets at is that a lot of people are often afraid to even make the ask, because they're being they're being afraid of being rejected. But the reality is, is that. If you do make the ask and even are rejected, somebody tells you no, say for um, maybe it's an an internship or maybe it's for a promotion, they tell you no, you're still in the exact same spot you were before. It doesn't actually move you back. And so we have to be willing to ask for what we want. Um, The fourth point uh, that I'd like to make or that I thought was interesting is that she points out that. We often are afraid to make changes um, in in life or maybe maybe it's even trying to break into the sports industry. and this one hit home to me um, as having moved a lot early on in my career. you know I went from Michigan to Louisiana to South Florida to New Mexico, back to Michigan up to Alaska, spent a summer in Pennsylvania and so in 10 years I lived in seven states and uh, in in the book, uh, dr. Uh, dr. Jen, she talks about, Um, That kind of the same thing where she was moving all over working for different organizations at one point living out of her car giving a lot of sacrifice. And she talks about how a lot of people won't do that, even though they're so passionate about what they do. um, But they're afraid to take that leap. And so they place a, a, some kind of safety net. And for her, she gives the example one time about having to sell her condo, her condo in her home was her safety net. And um, she, she points out to the fact that sometimes your safety net, net will actually hinder you. So it depends on a net is only as good as the placement is what she brings up. Um, and the last one, uh, the last point that I'd like to bring up is that we, um, we as women can't change things on our own, um, that we can't be quiet it can't be a quiet story among just women we have to have men and others that are there helping um and and starting these conversations as well so um that's the the gist of the the book and um or not the gist of the book that's six key points that i picked out as as meaningful, and I felt like maybe our listeners would would like. Like I said, I think it's a it's a great book, and it's a uh, a great book for those uh, listeners that are interested specifically in breaking into a um, male dominated sport, specifically like football. Um, and the second one that comes to mind is is probably hockey at this point too. So um, again, I recommend the book. Uh, the book was uh, Play Big: Lessons in Being Limitless from the first woman uh, woman coach to coach in the NFL. Um, and it's by Dr. Uh, Jennifer Welter. Uh, the thing I would like to point out about Dr. Uh, Dr. Welter is that not only was she the first woman to break into the NFL and break into the NFL sidelines as a coach, but she also has a Ph.D. in psychology. So she's been successful academically and professionally, and I think she is a really good role model for uh, young women out there uh, that are looking to do looking to do similar things. Whisper.
0: Thank you so much, Dr. Kuyper, for that review. As I said before, I'm not the biggest reader, but anytime a trailblazer like Jen Welter puts out a book, there's a good chance that I might pick it up or at least, um, as my husband would say, get like three quarters of the way through it before I get distracted. (laughs) Um, But as a review, we are speaking today with Kathy Grayson of the PGA of America. She is sharing with us the best practices for proposing a raise or a promotion at your current job. Um, when you think it's time, but maybe one hasn't been offered to you yet. So Kathy, would you say that our annual evaluation, which most of us have at work, would be a good or most appropriate time to bring up one of these either raises or promotions?
2: You know, believe it or not, your annual annual review is not the time to bring up a raise. And the reason for that is most of the time budgets have already been set, when reviews uh, are taking place. So the best time to begin a negotiation for a raise is probably about three to four months before that budgeting process begins so that your manager can forecast potential payroll increases into their department budget.
0: I never would have thought of that. It seems really, it seems obvious when you say it, but I think most of us don't start to contem if we're pretty happy at our jobs, most of us aren't contemplating all the time, you know, our worth or our role or our job title until these annual reviews. So we're not thinking that far ahead, you know, like I said, when we're when we're pretty happy at our jobs. But I can totally see and I think I've heard that before, oh, you know, unfortunately now's not a right the right time because you know we have eight months from now until our budget's due again. So I can totally see that. And we should really not just be thinking about what what's good for us, but also think the way that our bosses think, which is a lot of times in terms of money. So that makes a lot of sense. Um, so if that's not the right time, um, we talked about the other times when might be a better time, but Help us figure out how to even approach the topic of wanting to set up this type of meeting once we figure out what might be the right time. Because just saying, hey, boss, can I set up a time to speak with you next week? Right away, their minds are going to race about what you want to talk about, which is kind of awkward until the time you actually talk about it. So do you tell them what you want to talk about when you set up the meeting? Do you leave it kind of open-ended? Like, How do we even broach that topic with them?
2: You know, again, I would look to set a meeting with your manager about three to four months before the budgeting process begins. And because managers love employees that are proactive and like to take initiative and stay ahead of the game, I think your meeting should be about, hey, you know, I want to sit down with you and really talk about um, department goals. And exceeding expectations for next year. And where do you think our action plan um, is going for the following year? Just so that you know that you can um, create your own action plan and be, you know, on board with, with what their goals are. So I think managers love employees like that who are thinking ahead and who are proactive. And if it were me, I would set up a meeting um, based on that uh, premise.
0: Okay, so and, and it's not that you're being evasive. You're actually going to you you recommend that we start the meeting maybe by framing it around the the goals and the priorities, and then building off of that based on maybe our.
2: Absolutely, you should actually take in your own action plan for what your just your job description is and what you would like to achieve um, in the next year. And when you're in this meeting, you can actually discuss with your manager um, their goals versus your goals and where you can meet in the middle. And as you're discussing this, you know you bring up the topic of you know these are the goals that, and um, measurable results that I've produced this past year. And as we're talking about this, let's talk about what the budget is for next year for my position and a raise. That's the best way to approach it.
0: I like that. So let's talk about what the budget is for my position and possible raise. Okay. I like the way that you made it seem like a budget decision and not like, am I worth this? You know, this like super vulnerable moment of like, do you think I'm good enough or not?
2: Right. You you know, you need to be confident. And one thing that we don't want to talk about, and I feel like we do this as women, is you don't want to bring in your personal agenda. So you don't want to say, oh, my gosh, my child's going to college next year or, you know, we're trying to pay for private school because everyone in your company has, you know, personal uh, needs and financial, um, you know, just financial agendas. So you want to keep it professional and you want to keep it based on uh, your value that you bring to the company and the measurable results that you can show uh, that you've produced.
0: Okay. So now that we know how to kind of bring it up, how to set the meeting, how to bring it up once we're in there, talk about basically there's, you know, just like most conversations, there's three, you know, outcomes really. There's the yes, absolutely. Here's congratulations. Here's your new job, your new title. (laughs) There's the no, for whatever reason, I don't agree with you. We don't have the money. And then there's the like, maybe like, So, how do we kind of deal with each of those one by one?
2: So, we'll talk about what we call the stall. So that's when your manager uh, looks surprised that you're bringing up this topic and doesn't really know what to say. Uh, And instead of just saying, "Oh, okay," you know, maybe this isn't a good time, and taking on that reaction, you just want to pause and give them time to think about it, and just say, "Hmm," you know. Uh, how can I help you uh, move more in my direction? Uh, and, you know, again, what is the budget going forward for this position? You want to just really, you want to go into a stall as well. Let them think about it and let them uh, make the next move. You don't want to react to their bad reaction. You know, give them time to process and let them make the next move, and then you'll know where to go from there with negotiation.
0: So don't, like, feed off of the uncomfortable silence. Don't take that necessarily as a, oh, crap, this is going to because they could just be kind of surprised or maybe they're contemplating it. Don't – your instinct is going to be like, oh, gosh, uh, okay, never mind. I it, it, You're clearly not on the same page. Like, don't panic. because And I also think that could be a thing that females may um, – get themselves into quicker or more often than males, just if I was guessing. Because I think that men would be a lot um, quicker to just sit back and wait for a reaction or sit back and wait for an answer through an awkward silence where women, I think, take it upon themselves to fix the awkward silence or make it not awkward anymore. And so they're going to fill that silence with something, even if it's not what's best for them.
2: Right. We have a tendency to apologize too much. So you definitely don't want to apologize and you want to sit back and wait for them to make the next move. You know, one of the things that you should keep in your back pocket is your market research. So have, you know, what are the salaries that your competitors are paying for your position? So when your manager says, well, I don't think that's in the budget for next year, you know, that's a time where you can say, well, I would really like you to reconsider because XYZ company and, you know... Uh, the other company down the street are paying X for this position. So I just want you to be aware of what, you know, the market value is and what I feel this position is worth. And, you know, again, here's the value that I brought to the company uh, this past year. You know, one thing companies hate to do is they hate to lose good employees um, because it is expensive to hire, train, and start over with somebody new. You know, there's a, there's a price tag, For training and having to spend time bringing someone new up to speed on, you know, the great job that you've already done, so keep that in mind. You need to remain confident and, um, you know, self assured, and just give that manager time to digest
0: what you're saying and and stand your ground. Okay. And so, and if they do, kind of start floating to that negative or that no, like you mentioned, you talked about offering up your research. what if they absolutely say that money is a you know a red light right now for whatever reason you know maybe they have budget cuts maybe we we didn't do our research and we've asked at a bad time in the you know the financial year what are some other things that we might be able to use to our advantage if money is not an option for a raise
2: definitely want to take in a list or at least a mental list of other benefits that you would be willing to negotiate. So things like additional vacation time, maybe if you need flex time, you know during the week to pick up kids at school or go to sporting events, things like that. Um, flex time is an excellent uh, benefit. A better title is an excellent benefit uh, that usually helps you advance quicker when you uh, can change titles like that, and maybe more desirable projects or assignments. You know, maybe right now you're working. Um, on group projects, and you would prefer to work more individually. Um, things like that, just to keep in the back of your mind, are excellent things to uh, negotiate over and above, uh, you know, just cash.
0: Okay, so then I think you've mentioned this before. If if it's an absolute no on all fronts, could could we say something like, you know, I really appreciate you talking to me about this today and considering it, um, would you be open to revisiting this with me in X amount of months, when I maybe maybe the issue is our performance, maybe the issue is the money, whatever. When we've you know had some more results, or you know when we're closer to our budgeting time, is that an an okay thing to suggest? If if it seems like an absolute no, one hundred percent, you should ask
2: for a review three to six months out from that meeting. Um, And again, ask them for a list of goals and how you can work to help them achieve those more quickly so that you have that opportunity to advance um, in your career. Absolutely. Okay.
0: So then let's say the absolute best case scenario is happening and they seem really open to it, um, but maybe the number in your head isn't matching the number that they threw out at you. Then what do we do?
2: Don't be afraid to counter. Um, women, for some reason, always accept that first um, offer, whether it's your first position or whether it's negotiating a salary raise. So you never want to accept
0: that first offer. and I think I mentioned that in my first um, podcast with you. You mentioned how much money women leave on the table by doing that. So probably the similar things are happening exactly in these kind of salary negotiations too.
2: Right. Whatever you accept is the baseline for your future earning potential. So you want to get the most out of, um, your manager as you possibly can. Uh, when you're doing your research, you'll usually find that there's a top end and a low end for your salary. And you always want to ask for 10%, at least 10% over that top number because they will come back and negotiate with you and you want to end up in that, in that top percentile.
0: Would this be another good moment to maybe say, um, you know, boss, um, I, I took the liberty of doing a little bit of research just so that you might be able to see kind of where my salary falls in terms of, you know, um, my competitors around town. Would you mind taking a look at it? Is that, should this be a one meeting conversation, I guess, or could this be a, here's my research can we, um, can we come back in a few days and set something up where we can both come back to the table and see where we're at? Or should we try to keep this as a one conversation type of meeting? You should,
2: you should definitely try to keep it as a one conversation meeting. You don't want to give them the opportunity to figure out how not to give you that raise. So if they're willing to negotiate and you have them in that situation, you should you know try to try to keep negotiating and, and end it in that one meeting. You don't want to put it off to them do an additional meeting. You'll never get another meeting with your
0: manager to
2: discuss it.
0: Okay, so let's let's be real clear here because I think there's a big difference in how we handle our first salary negotiation and and this because it is very okay when someone offers you a job and offers you a first salary, to say, can I take, you know, till Monday to get you an answer, that is, that is advised. But leaving that meeting where you're asking for the raise or the promotion after they started to negotiate with you is not advised.
2: Yeah, you would definitely want to stay in if you can. um, And, you know, nail that down. Definitely. Don't walk away.
0: Okay. All right. There, Kathy, you've given us so much to think about, but I honestly can see myself using this information the next time that, um, you know, I, get, I find myself in this position and I hope our listeners can too. Um, so thank you for being with us today and helping us through what can honestly be a really stressful but often awkward experience as well. Um, and I hope you'll come back um, to end our salary negotiation series this fall when we talk about salary negotiation when we're changing jobs, changing organizations. Um, but before we let you go, tell the audience how they can get in touch with you if they're interested or how they can kind of keep in touch with you, um, maybe on social media or LinkedIn.
2: Yeah, you know, I have a LinkedIn page. It's Kathy Gray- Grayson, PGA Career Consultant. Um, I live in you know South Florida uh, and all of my contact information is on there and you're more than welcome to uh, shoot me a
0: message, absolutely. Well, thank you again, Kathy, for being here and for offering your time. Thank you so much. Thank you very much. Conversations from the world of women's sports. This is WISP Sports Radio. And for more conversations from the world of women's sport, visit wispsports.com, where you'll find more than 800 podcast episodes, plus blogs, videos, and articles. WISP Sports Radio is the world's largest podcast network for women's sport with 30 shows and 20 hosts around the world. Subscribe for free on your favorite podcast app. And to follow Females in Athletic Business, this podcast or WISP Sports, use at fabsports.org and at WISP Sports on social media. The FAB Podcast is a co-production of Females in Athletic Business and WISP Sports. Check out Females in Athletic Business at www.fabsportsorg.com. And please visit our sponsors at highlands.com backslash ear hyphen pain. Thanks so much for listening and we'll be back next week.